warning. This show is intended for a mature audience only and may contain harsh language, trans fats, live nudes, and derogatory comments about your mother. Those who are easily offended or have no sense of humor are encouraged to turn off the show now. Parental discretion is advised. Praise the My emperor. My are many. My equals are none. They fear me like a force of nature, a dealer in thunder and death. I say, I am emperor. I am invincible. Invincible. You're listening to the Emperor and the Emperor's Court. It's a celebration of mediocrity. All this energy calling me. Maybe. Back where it comes from. Just maybe my voice can stop me from getting cooked. Yeah. Maybe I'm a Chinese jet pilot. I don't know why, but I felt the need to uh, actually play some of these different uh, songs that I haven't, or sound bites I haven't used in a long time. Anyways, folks, this is the Emperor's Court here on AlphaGeekRadio.com. I am your host, the Emperor, joined in studio by no one as we continue to do solo shows, at least for the foreseeable near future. Um, There's been a bit of progress this past week with trying to set something up for the show. But as everything else, it is contingent upon other people's availability. I'm actually talking with another host about, you know what, that's way in the future. I'm not going to get into it, just in case things don't go well. I don't want to get blah, blah, blah. Wow, I had to put this thing all the way down and I'm still bouncing? Oh, that's the music volume. That's why I'm a dumbass. I thought it was the mic volume. Sorry. Uh, I'm on Whopper again, uh, recording because since replacing the motherboard on the Omnisia, the mother, I'm sorry, the Elisa soundboard is not playing well, and I think it's a Windows 10 issue. I don't know why, and because Gnomewise is a very important and busy individual, and he is both those things, that is not sarcasm, that's the God's honest truth, I have not had a chance to get with him yet, um... So I'm recording on the old, well, relatively old, uh, machine. Anyways, I'm not going to jinx it as to what I'm working on right now. I'm working on two different things. Uh, One is I'm looking to do a series of shows uh, for patrons that will be uh, recorded via Skype between me and another uh, guest host. And I'm looking to set up one, maybe more other hosts to join us weekly for the regular episodes. Uh, which this is one of them. Uh, so there you have it. Anyways, what have I been up to in these past two weeks? Well, if you follow me on Twitter and on Facebook like you should, you would know that I've been fighting off bronchitis in the middle of June. Uh, just so you know how wacky this is, today is supposed to be 90 degrees and yeah, in Cleveland and going to be 90 degrees for the next five days. That's correct. And it decides, actually, it was kind of, well, yeah, Odd, I guess. 
I think Darth Walker, which he's been here for the summer and will be for the summer, uh, got a cold about a week and a half ago, two weeks ago. And, of course, since he's here, it spread to the Prince Imperial, to my daughter, to me. And last Monday, <coughs> all three of us were in the doctor's office with varying degrees of illness. Basically, they got sinus infections, I got bronchitis, because that's the way it is. So if I'm a little bit of out of air today, that's why. I didn't want to wait any longer since there wasn't a show last week. i got to get one in this week. I have patron shows I've got bulleted out that I need to record because those people pay money and they expect material, and I'm going to give it to them. So my apologies again uh, if I seem out of breath uh, at times because I am. Having said that, the Cleveland Cavaliers for the third year in a row are in the NBA, the National Basketball Association's Finals, the championship. And for the third year in a row, we are facing off against the Golden State Warriors. If you follow any kind of sports, you know that in the offseason last year, the Golden State Warriors, having blown a historic 3-1 lead to the Cleveland Cavaliers for Cleveland to capture its first championship since 1964, went and got themselves a second MVP player because having one MVP player with three All-Stars wasn't enough. So now they have four All-Stars two MVP players. Arguably the most talented high-powered team in the history of basketball. Not including the Dream Team, obviously. That's not a joke. That's the truth. So the Cleveland Cavaliers find themselves down three games to none in a seven-game series uh, heading into Friday night's contest. Uh, They were playing in Cleveland. They were not expected to win. They were six-point underdogs, which in basketball is a lot. Um, hey. Mm, sorry, Lulu is texting me. She's having brunch with a friend. She's supposed to pick up uh, something for me. I'll let you know when I leave here. I'll get you food. Oh, all right. Well, that's nice. Anytime you bring home lunch is a good day. <laughs> so... I didn't invite anybody over. One, because I'm you know, still sick and trying to get over this, and really, who wants to hang out with that? Hawkeye decided he and Grace were going to head downtown again because they want to be amongst the people. And the uh, Cleveland Indians, who are right across the plaza from where the Cavaliers play, they, they share a plaza, uh, were also in town and playing a night game. So it was a pretty packed crowd at Jacobs Field. It was a packed crowd at Quicken Loans Arena. And there were thousands and thousands and thousands of people outside of the arena and the stadium surrounding it, uh, watching on Jumbotrons, the game going on inside. Because that's how we do it in Cleveland. What happened in that game, and I'm still trying to process some of it, and I know it's been a couple days, and I'll be the first to admit, I'm not a big basketball guy. I don't care for the sport. Um, I've played it. I've played it well, you know, for a guy who's only five foot ten and a half. Um, mainly when I was younger. I followed it most of my life. Uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers have had different eras where they were very good to very bad to very good. Um, it's not like baseball for me. Baseball, I will watch rain or shine, good team or bad. 
if the Cleveland Indians had won the World Series last year in that epic Game 7 against the, the Chicago Cubs, and it broke in their curse, and so the Cubbies break in theirs, I would have led a one-person riot downtown and burned, like, well, not a dumpster, but probably a small garbage can, like one of the little plastic ones I have here in the basement. That's my level of civil disorder, civil disobedience. Hey, that guy, what is he doing? I think he's setting a fire. Is it lighting a car on fire or a dumpster? No, man, it's a waste paper basket. <laughs> what are you burning in there, man? Uh, newspaper, a couple bills. Uh, it's a Pepsi can in there. So, yeah, go tribe. <laughs> But I detest the Golden State Warriors. They are a dirty team. They are arrogant. They are uh, nasty. They are not fan-friendly. And they don't like Cleveland, for obvious reasons. And it's kind of refreshing in a way, because it's been a while, in sports anyways, where you had a rivalry at the championship level, because today, much like the rest of our society and microcosm, everything has to be parody. Nobody's allowed to be any really better than anybody else. You basically want it so that at any time, any team can make it into the playoffs, so that continually being any good isn't really what they want you to do. They don't want dynasties. Lies. They don't want, you know, uh, uh, the same teams winning, you know, year in and year out. At least that's what they tell you. Now, I will tell you in the NFL, the National Football League, that the they've had, in the last 30 years, um, the second fewest different teams to win the Super Bowl. The NBA has had the fewest different teams in the last 30 years to win the NBA title. I think it's like 11 different teams in 30 years. The NFL, I think, was like 13. Major League Baseball, on the other hand, is your true um, parity. The difference is it's usually the same teams making it to the playoffs. It's just not always one of them winning at all. Your Yankees, your Dodgers, your uh, Red Sox, your Braves, until recently. The Tigers, until recently. That kind of thing. Those are usually your traditional teams that are almost always in it. St. Louis. Um, <clears throat> that kind of thing. So the NBA doesn't care about that. The NBA markets pretty much three teams. Now... In the 70s and the 80s, uh, it was all about the Lakers and the Celtics. You had two teams, and everybody else was shit. And between the two of them, they won, like, I don't know, like 80% of the championships. That, I mean, it was that, that skewed. In the 90s, it was all about the Bulls, Michael Jordan and the Bulls. Uh, in the late 90s, early 2000s, it was about Kobe Bryant and Shaquille O'Neal and the Lakers again. And since then, it's kind of gone back and forth. It's been, you know, wherever LeBron James went. First it was Cleveland, then it was Miami, now it's Cleveland again. You've had the Spurs uh, from the early 2000s until the, you know, even today they're still in the champ- or, or playoff hunt. They bounced uh, one round uh, short of the 
finals this year. But they've won like five or six rings in the last 15 years. The NBA doesn't care. The NBA markets players, individual people. To them, it's not so much a sport anymore. The only teams they market, at least at the moment, are the ones who are on top, which is the Warriors, to a much lesser extent, the Cavaliers. Now, they'll market Kyrie Irving and LeBron James, not so much the Cavaliers. Golden State Warriors, because it's California, obviously they get promoted a lot. Uh, The Spurs, although they're always very good, and they're one of the three teams every year that can win it, they don't get so much marketing. Uh, The Celtics certainly still do, and the Lakers do. And the Lakers are a dumpster fire. They are. They're a trash heap, and they have been for five, six years now. And all this talk that LeBron James might go there in the offseason, I don't care if he does. You know what? I'm going to bring this up now. I had this this discussion with Scrub a couple times over this last week. Because uh, he and I have been playing a lot of Stellaris together, and I will, I will get to that a little later on the show. And his problem is he, does, he can't get into professional sports because he said professional sports athletes in the United States are the biggest assholes you'll ever meet. And he's not wrong. He's right. They are. By and large, for the most part, that is true. I don't watch it for that. I don't watch it because I root for any one person. I learned that lesson. I think most people in Cleveland have learned that lesson. The years of having, you know, Bernie Kosar and Clay Matthews and Jim Tomey and Omar Vizquel and these guys who, you know, were very approachable, fan-friendly, loved being in Cleveland, came back after their careers were over. Those people are gone, man. That's a generation gone. It's the LeBron James era. I don't like LeBron James as a person. I don't. There's enough stories around Cleveland, and they may not make the news. And, and, and to be fair, the guy, I mean, he's not out there, you know, getting in trouble with drugs. He's never beat his wife. You, you don't see him in trouble with the law. You know, he's not making, I mean, he makes some stupid-ass comments to the media regarding politics and race. But by and large, the guy has kept his nose clean. He is a very astute uh, and very brilliant businessman. Um, he knows what he wants. He knows where he's going. He's obviously has a very keen uh, a, a sense of trends and what's going. He listens to now, listens to decent advice on business for things he doesn't know. All that's true. Him as a person is not a good guy. He's not very fan-friendly. He doesn't sign autographs that much. He really doesn't. If you have him on camera or he's in some kind of uh, event where he kind of has to, he will, to a point. He doesn't tip wherever he goes for, for any service whatsoever. He doesn't, never has. That's known. He's been known to confiscate uh, a video of you know people who are recording him in a pickup game or like a promotional game for, like say, Nike or, or Gatorade or whatever. Not Gatorade, but whatever one he's got. Where any time another player might embarrass him, like the the famous one where somebody dunked on him, I think it was at a Nike event from an up and coming player. He dunked on him in a like a, 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 a exhibition game. Okay, so he dunked on you, big fucking deal. Nope, he went and had all of the video confiscated. There's another one that happened in Cleveland. This is before he left for Miami. I think it was like oh eight oh nine. Where he's, they were doing a, a some kind of commercial shoot for one of the whatever company he was endorsed by in this neighborhood, and somebody was standing on his front porch and took out his camera or his phone and took a picture of LeBron James sitting on the curb in between takes, just sitting there. That's it, nothing else, just you know, sitting on the curb like anybody does, you know, like kids do or 
or you know anybody just around the neighborhood. Wasn't doing anything, wasn't embarrassing, wasn't... So LeBron James has one of his bodyguards and a rep go over to the guy's house, threaten to sue him, and demand to have the picture deleted. Why? Then there's the shit he pulled, obviously, where he basically took a dump on the entire city of Cleveland on a national televised event of his creation and his insistence. So that you could, quote, take his talents to South Beach in Miami. Well, that pretty much proved what everybody had started to suspect, which is that he'd, A, rather play with his buddies that he made during the Olympics than play in his hometown after shooting his mouth off, making all these huge promises. A. B, that he would go anywhere to win a ring if he didn't have to try hard enough. Didn't have to try hard. So what happens when Miami fails uh, to win a championship? They bounced a couple times. Uh, he comes back to Cleveland because Miami no longer can sustain uh, putting pieces around him for him to continue to win. So rather than playing through it or trying to build the franchise from that point on, he ditches it, comes back to Cleveland to, quote, try to rebuild his legacy by bringing a championship to the hometown. He then threatens management, and this was behind the scenes, but has since been made public, that he will only sign one-year contracts to force them to continue to spend money beyond the salary cap, because there's a cap in basketball. You can only spend so much. And for every dollar you spend more, they tax you a dollar extra. So if we spend $10 million over the cap, we're spending an additional $10 million in fees. So he basically puts a gun to their head saying, you spend as much money as you have to to get as many players around me who are as good or as, as good as I am or close enough. So we trade away future draft picks. We get rid of a coach he didn't... The coach we brought in got him to the finals. He decides, nah, I don't like this guy. Has the dude fired before Christmas the following year so that his buddy could be hired as coach. He's had made sure that his personal friends... His high school friends are given salary jobs by the Cavaliers. They have actually no job responsibility. They collect a paycheck to hang around with LeBron James. There is more I can go on to, but I'm not, I don't need to. You get the idea. The guy, as a person, is a dick. I don't like him. I don't root for him. I don't care. I don't care about LeBron James or his uh, approaching $1 billion, which is his, apparently his ultimate goal. Fine. Don't care. The only thing I care about is what he delivers to the city of Cleveland, which is championships, competitive basketball, an international spotlight. And for the most part, he has done that. And that's fine, because he's only using Cleveland to get himself rings. The rumor is now, and it's being reported everywhere by some some very credible people, including one person <clears throat> who predicted that he was coming back to Cleveland a couple months before he did, for the very reasons he said he was, that he may be going to Los Angeles this offseason because of the way this finals is going. He no longer believes that Cleveland is able to... Now, keep in mind, as long as LeBron James is in Cleveland, they will be in the finals every year. Because the Eastern Conference, although getting much, much better, can't stop us. We're too good. But he's going to go to the Lakers. 
or possibly the Clippers, but probably the Lakers. The Lakers, a dumpster fire organization. Because in two or three years, they might be very good. The problem with that is that uh, LeBron James is 32 years old. He's logged a lot of minutes. I don't think he's going to be all that great at 35, 36, 37. And if that was the idea, then staying at Cleveland would make more sense because Kyrie Irving, who is his number two guy and is just phenomenal, arguably one of the best point guards in the game, is 25. Kevin Love, our, our small forwarder or whatever the hell he is, is 28. Those you know the other big three, those are the other two all-stars. The point is that he will go wherever is best for LeBron James. doesn't care about his family. His family didn't want to move to Miami to begin with. Pretty sure they don't want to move to L.A. They're from Akron. They like being here. Nope. Whatever's best for LeBron James. So, no. I don't like the guy. I don't like professional athletes in general. By and large, these days, they're assholes. And for that, I agree with Scrub. But I like, and this is what I enjoy, are the people like them, who are able to play at a a sport that I enjoy or admire or watch or respect. And they are the very best in the world at what they do. And they do things that, you know, can I hit a home run in softball? I did a couple weeks ago. Yeah, I can. Did I ever hit one in baseball? Sure. Did I ever blast one 500 feet in a stadium full of people in the World Series? No, I didn't. And I doubt I could. So that, I, and and that's what I watch. I watch and I enjoy these sports <clears throat> for the players. We're playing at at the highest level you can, and I enjoy it more when it's my home team. It is civic pride. You know, I do buy into that. A lot of people do. Most of us do, to one degree or another. Whether you care about sports or not. You probably walk a little, with your head a little higher <clears throat> when your team wins it all, or is in the news, or the international spotlight. When you can go in other countries, and I've my my family has traveled extensively, and you see a Browns logo or an Indians logo or whatever somewhere where you wouldn't expect to see it. <clears throat> and that's the difference for between what Scrub and I have a problem with. He can't get into it because he doesn't like the players. I get into it because I don't care about the players. At a personal level. So I don't. You think they care about me? You think they care about the fans? No. You think they give a flying shit what I think as a fan? Absolutely not. And I can literally say, my money pays your salary. They don't care. And why would they? Uh, The other thing I have done uh, over this past pretty much week and a half, basically since... um, uh, May 30th roll. Give me one second here, folks. Hang on. One second. I've got to... i got to take this. One second.
Okay. Sorry, I had to use my inhaler. I, <clears throat> I'm talking for about 25 minutes and it's starting to catch up to me. So there we go. Now, that's what happens when I got the bronchitis or the pneumonia. <laughs> Anyhow, the other thing I've been doing is uh, I just finished watching House of Cards Season 5. Uh, if you have not watched it yet, you need to. If you have watched it, you know what's going on. I would love to talk about it with people, but I can't because it's only been out for about two weeks. And I know a lot of people already uh, uh, binge-watched it. I spread it out over a week to kind of savor it, since it'll be at least two more years before we see another season. And there will be, I would hope, there are so many storylines and threads that have not been closed that have not been um, uh, dealt with, that there has to be a season six. But things have progressed pretty much the way I figured they would a couple of, year, uh, a couple of seasons ago, back in season four. You could pretty much see where they were going to telegraph. Now, how they got there, that was a lot of twists and turns. It was very enjoyable. Um, obviously, it's written from the point of view of a Democrat, uh, a Democrat candidate and his wife uh, in politics. Obviously, I am not vehemently opposed. However, there are quite a few things that this character really doesn't jive with the whole liberal thing, which kind of works for me. Um, obviously, you know, being a immoral and evil character doesn't really jive with anybody, but <clears throat> some of his philosophies regarding politics is more in line with like a Kennedy or a Truman Democrat, which, as we would recognize today, a Republican. Um, <clears throat> but his tactics on, on you know, Politics and getting elected and what have you, that's very Democrat. Uh, we see that to this day. I'm not going to com- comment a whole lot on the Comey thing or the Theresa May thing or the Brexit thing. Um, I-, I do have a patron show that I have bolted out for that that I will get to. Um, so if you're a patron, look for that. I've got two coming out for all patrons, and I've got one coming out for top-tier patrons. Uh, look for that within the next few days. But House of Cards, phenomenal. I've also started watching Last Kingdom. And, and usually what happens is when I'm working at home, um, I have my laptop you know, on a lower tier of my desk, and then I, on a raised uh, dais, I've got my monitor for my normal computer from the Omnisia. And I'll stream an episode of, of something while I'm working. And sometimes I will have to go back and replay parts of an episode because I'm not really... I, I won't be paying attention to it because I'm kind of zeroed in on work. But... I've also started watching Last Kingdom, uh, which to me is, is so far has been kind of, it's been pretty good. And The Last Kingdom, I believe, is a British series, at least it takes place in Britain, um, during the 10th century, I believe, or 11th century. Basically, it's the Viking invasion, uh, the, the uh, great heathen army, the Viking invasion of uh, Northumberland and Mercia and Wessex. And uh, Alfred the Great. And it takes place during that entire time period. Uh, and it's kind of cool because the first episode I watched was with Lulu. And I, I'm just throwing out all these references as I as they kind of dial in exactly where this is happening and at what time. And uh, a couple of the, the ancillary characters. I started saying, huh, I wonder if they have the Great Heathen Army. Yes, they do. I wonder if Alfred the Great's in this. Yes, he is. I wonder if they'll talk about the Kingdom of Wessex. Apparently that's what is considered the last kingdom of England. Is that the north and middle part of England have been conquered by the Vikings. They have had uh, some 
small success in Ireland, but that they are trying to push on Wessex, which is in the southern part of England and Wales. And that's where this whole series kind of takes place. And it's about a guy who, he's English, but he's captured as a child by the Danes, the Vikings, raises a Viking, then there's some betrayal, and now he's, you know, uh, in his early 20s with this other chick, and they've got nowhere to go. They can't go back to the Danes because they think they he's the one that did some bad stuff. He can't go to the Englishman because he's no longer one of them. He's of both worlds, but not in either one. I think you know, you know, where this is going, that kind of trope. And it's all about that. And of course, the kind of he meets the other historical characters that are, you know, in that area at that time period. Um, the different battles that take place, the point of view of, of both the Vikings and the English, the motivations of the different historical characters that they may have had. Keep in mind, this is a dramatic series. This is not a history series. This is simply taking place in a historical era. These characters, the main ones, I don't think actually existed. These are just fictional characters who just happen to be rubbing elbows with, you know... Alfred the Great, and different Viking Raiders, and, and whatnot. But I'm about five episodes in for the first season, still very good. And I, I just don't watch a lot of television anymore. I, I You know what? And it's not anymore. I haven't in years. In years. I don't have the time, folks. I get off work, and the family's here, and it's time to either play with the son, or, you know, work in the yard, work around the house, get dinner going, that kind of thing. And when it's all said and done, I don't want to watch television. You know, I'll stream something on Netflix because it's right there, and I'm working in front of my computer at home anyways. You know, I, I streamed all of the Archer's last season on demand here for Cox, the uh, 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 L.A. Noir series. They just had Dreamland uh, with Lulu and uh, Mystic Mim. And that was great. That was hilarious. And I can't wait for the other part of the, uh, the season, the, other, the second half. And we did that on the television. That's about it. I mean, that's, that's probably more television I've just mentioned watching in the last three weeks than I've done in the last year. Other than flipping on The Simpsons on reruns here, I, I don't watch television. I don't care. Sporting events is about it, and it's got to be a big one. I'll, I'll stream the Indians game uh, on radio, and I'll stream it through my phone if I can't get uh, the local station, radio station. But even that, unless it's something big, I don't watch it. Watching something on my television pins me to a place. If I can do two or three things at once, I'd rather do that. I'd rather be accomplishing something. Now, for the NBA Finals, yeah, I've sat down and watched them start to finish. I didn't watch the playoffs because it's a foregone conclusion, at least it should be, that the Cleveland Cavaliers are going to make it to the NBA Finals every year. They lost one total game in the playoffs this year. By the way, that... that I started getting into that, and I'm sorry I got distracted. Um, let me go back to that real quick. As far as watching and sporting events. So, and the whole build-up to Game 4 here in Cleveland on Friday night. Uh, my daughter and her boyfriend actually got tickets to the game. So I said, all right. And I wasn't originally going to let her go. She's been kind of a butthead lately, so she was grounded. But I said, you know what? I don't know when the next chance that Cleveland might be in a, in a, a championship series. Of any kind, whether that be World Series, Super Bowl, or whatever. Go ahead and go. So she went. And 
What ended up happening, aside from the fact that they're down 3-0, they're the defending champions, and they're being embarrassed. The Golden State Warriors, much like they did the last two years, started running their mouth before they'd actually completed the job. And Steph Curry mimicked taking a shit on our logo during the third during Game Three, which was on Tuesday, I think. This past Tuesday, <laughs> that was probably the wrong thing to do. Now you think that they would have learned their lesson last year after running their mouth, going up three games to one saying that uh, LeBron James is a baby and this is a man's league complaining that you know they shouldn't have to they you know shouldn't have to worry about fouls or the fact that these guys aren't as good as they are Cleveland's this this jerk waterberg shit stains of the city which Draymond Green said again yesterday huh <laughs> they blew a 3-1 lead first time in the history of the NBA well now you're up 3-0 and you head into the game Friday night a closeout game in Cleveland what ended up happening was maybe the most prolific offensive game that I have ever seen in my life. And by offensive, I don't just mean horrific officiating, and it was. Some of the worst officiating I have ever seen. And I know in the NBA that's kind of hard to top each time. You kind of just take it in stride that it's just going to be bad officiating. No, no. This was, was criminal where the NBA had to come out and apologize and explain some things after the game, it was so bad. Technical fouls, people being ejected, fights on the, on the court, Cleveland police having to surround the Warriors' uh, uh, um, bench to keep them safe because they were you know, throwing insults at the crowd and they were, you know, once again, a very dirty team you know, knocking around Cleveland players. And as the night goes on, they became even nastier and nastier. And the reason why is the Cleveland Cavaliers came out and they set a NBA's, NBA Finals record. Uh, which, I mean, we're going back into the 40s here since the uh, Finals began. For most points scored in a quarter, the first quarter. Most points scored in a half. They scored 86 points in the first half. Uh, most points scored in an NBA Finals game. They scored 137 most three-pointers ever made in an NBA Finals. They made 22. Uh, and LeBron James, I think, took sole possession of the most triple-doubles in the NBA Finals with nine. I believe that's over... I think, yeah, he surpassed Magic Johnson. It was a historic night that I doubt you or I will see again in our lifetimes. The Cleveland Cavaliers beat the Warriors 137 to 116. And that score, it's not as close as it may sound. 20 points is not close, but a lot of those points came in garbage time for the Warriors. Now, there were times where that amount got down to 8 points, and then 7 points, and then 5 points. And then Cleveland went right back on a tear again, and it just blew them away. I am under no illusions, ladies and gentlemen. The Cleveland Cavaliers only had, supposedly, a 7% chance, 7, one digit, 7% chance to win the championship coming into the finals to begin with because of the Golden States, you know, being able to go ahead and, and bring in all these, you know, these players on top of what they already had. 
I don't even know what the odds are of Cleveland winning and being down 3 nothing, considering it has never happened in any major professional sport in the finals. Not in baseball, not in hockey, not in basketball. Having said that, for the Golden State Warriors, who are so supposedly hell-bent on revenge after what happened last year, after they got their, their words and deeds thrown back in their face, having a closeout game after a heartbreaker for Cleveland, losing it in the last 13 seconds of Game 3. If, we, if Kyrie Irving doesn't botch that at Game 3, this series is tied at 2. And it's a whole different dynamic. But it didn't happen. To have a closeout game and to get blown off the court in historic fashion by the supposedly greatest team in the last 40 years, one of the defensive juggernauts in basketball history, to get just decimated, crushed on national television, even while you're throwing elbows into other guys' faces, even as, you know, the one guy from Golden State punching the Cavalier, even Shumpert, in the nuts, not once but twice, as he's sitting underneath him. Now remember, Draymond Green, you'll know him because not only is he a mouth, he also looks like uh, the donkey from Shrek. He's the asshole that kicked three different people in the nuts last year in in the playoffs and the finals, including LeBron James and got suspended for one game because of it. Suspended from a one game of the finals. Yeah, Golden State points that as the reason they lost, because that one game where Draymond Green was out. He should never have been thrown out. He's kicking dudes in the bollocks. You can't do that. And he did it repeatedly, over and over and over. He should never have been in the finals. He should have been thrown out during the Thunder series. I digress. The Golden State Warriors will probably win... In fact, they're probably going to win tonight. They're going to close out at home. They're going to win four games to one. They'll be the champions again. You know, it'll suck for Cleveland. It always does. But to be embarrassed to that degree is inexcusable. Now, I guess you could look at it saying, who cares? They won it all in the end. They got their ring. Does it really matter? Yeah, it does. It kind of does. Because every time they shoot their mouth off, every time they do some kind of antic, every time they act like an asshole, because going back to what I said about professional players being assholes, they get it shoved right back in their face and they get it you know, pushed down their throat. And they don't learn. They don't fucking learn. Anyways, so the other thing I've been doing this past week, uh, since I've had some downtime, is I have been playing Stellaris. And I kind of got roped into this because I <coughs> I was bouncing back and forth between World of Warcraft and Un- uh, Ultima Online Second Age uh, the last couple weeks. And just, I was kind of getting um, some new guys going, people that Scrub Puppy uh, have from his, his retail uh, raid group in World of Warcraft that kind of came over because they wanted to play the vanilla experience. So they came over, and I was giving them tactical support, you know, bags and money and gear and shit like that. And then I was doing some some stuff on Second Age. I've still got my tower, and I don't know why, but some guy 
who's at my tower, every time I log in my characters, I do it once a week to refresh my tower if I'm not playing. And I always do a detect hidden, because you never know who might be hiding outside of your front door. Sure enough, there's a guy outside my front door. He was hidden. I don't know why. I don't know if he was waiting for me to log in so he could try and kill me and take my stuff. I don't know if he thought my tower was going to collapse because I hadn't logged in in four days. Spoiler alert, it takes like two weeks for it to happen. But it could be that maybe he just went to take a piss and and thought he was safe at what he thought was a tower with nobody in it. Wrong. Walked out my front door. Killed him. Looted his stuff. Cut up his corpse. Went back inside. Locked the front door. Logged off. I don't know what happened to that guy. I stood around for two or three minutes waiting to see if maybe he was at his computer and just wasn't paying attention. But his ghost never moved. He never said anything. Sucks for him, dude. Sucks for him. Pro tip. If you're playing Ultima Online or Ultima Online in Second Age, don't go invisible outside somebody's front door. If you're on the steps, get off. Because we only can assume that you are some kind of looter. And you will be killed as such. So he's been hammering away on me for to play Stellaris. Gotta play Stellaris, gotta play Stellaris. So I got it. Some of these other guys got it. Uh, I got it on the Humble Bundle, which I don't do, never have. Uh, they have a subscription-based something. Or I don't know how it works. But it was 12 bucks to get Stellaris. And if you haven't played it, if you're not familiar with it, and I know a lot of you guys follow me or were friends on um, Steam, so I know quite a few of you actually have this. Um, I don't, you know what? I, I wonder if I can pull it up. I don't know if Glitch has this, or I don't know if Tabor's got it, or Crypto has this. No, Virus got it. I've got it. Scrub's got it. Um, a couple other people have it. Anyways, I, so it's a 4X game. Space game, as the name probably implies. A 4X type game, you know what that means. Exploit, expand, explore, exterminate. Okay? Cool. It is easily one of the more complex 4X games I have ever played. Uh, There is a lot that goes into this. A lot that goes into this. And it goes kind of beyond just planetary management. You've got, you know, that. You've got people management. You've got diplomacy. You've got your fleet. All right, your military. You've got ground combat. You have exploration. And then there are just dozens and dozens and dozens of events that take place over the course of the game. Uh, As you're kind of flying around exploring the universe, there are different events that take place that are usually chains. And you have to follow them and different events take place. Um, There are something called a mid-game and end-game crisis, (laughs) which are catastrophic galaxy-wide effects that take place and affect everybody. You, human players, AI, everybody gets affected. Uh, There are various what they call fallen empires, which are apparently what sometimes this crisis is. But what happens is there are these dormant, um, super badass uh, empires or, you know, civilizations that for whatever reason are no longer ascendant. Uh, headed to one second. Sorry. And if you inadvertently wake them up, you know, they 
very well could do nothing and look at you and say, huh, you're pathetic, you're not a threat to us. Or they can go on the mother of all rampages, archer-style rampages, and just start leveling everything. Think of them as like the Necrons from Warhammer 40K, or you happen to come across a Borg cube and then inadvertently wake up all the Borg everywhere in the galaxy all at once. That kind of thing. That's what we're looking at here. So there's that. And then there's, obviously, there's pirates floating around. Uh, There's different space entities, like space amoebas, space whales, uh, space squids, different kinds of crystal people. And they're not aligned with anything. They're just kind of out there. And sometimes they're really strong. Sometimes they're not. Um, You have, within your own, whether it be empire, republic, whatever it is you have... And you can build your own faction, and there's a lot of different uh, uh, things that go into that. Uh, The name of your race, the plural name of your race, an adjective to describe them, how your ships look, how your planets look, what kind of planets you you like, you know, what your alignment is, uh, different kinds of abilities you can pick to kind of make them, you know, both pluses and minuses, when a lot of games have those. And then throughout the game, you'll get different factions in within your own empire that pop up. As you've got, maybe you have a scientist that's doing research for you, or a governor of a planet, or a general of an army, or an admiral, or what have you. And, or even your, your head leader, your main leader, will have different factions that pop up. And you can suppress them, or you can purge them, or you can create new ones. You can enslave people if you're, you know, like a space Nazi, you can purge all aliens, that kind of stuff. It's very complex, a lot going into it. But it's more so on the empire building and the exploration than the combat. The combat, there's really no micro. You build your fleet, you send it out, and you watch in real time as they fly around and shoot each other. Now, you can have them retreat, you can back them off, you can fly another part in the uh, 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 sector. But by and large, the combat's pretty much out of your hands. It's, it's roll the dice. You know, I've got, it's kind of like uh, Mesh from Orion, the new one, when, and how they use combat power. Except Master of Orion at least gives you the the facade of being able to micro some of your ships. This doesn't. So our first game, we're about two hours into it. And it's kind of, at a multiplayer game, it's kind of slow and plotting. Um, it's not as fast-paced or hard-hitting as Sins of the Solar Empire. But there is a lot you have to manage to do that. Um, you like better not spell it that way. Like to go. So you, I mean, there's constantly something you need to keep track of or keep updated on. About two and a half hours into this game, and I'm doing really well. Um, and I've only been playing this. I've only played it three or four times up to this point. And there are there are some things that I have not figured out. You like you can pass edicts for your entire empire. Or you can put, you know, as you explore planets or whatever, you can put them into different sectors and put them somewhere. Looks like I'm getting wings. Flat iron wings. Nice. <laughs> Lulu's downtown Cleveland. She was meeting a friend for brunch. 
3 o'clock in the afternoon, but eh, whatever. So things are going swell. And the next thing I know, I get contacted by these horse people. They look kind of like alien horses without fur. It's kind of like raw skin. I know it's kind of a weird description, but that's the best I can do. Kind of roll with me here. And they are, they're like Stalinists. They're space commies, space communists, uh, with all the trappings thereof. And for whatever reason, they decide they don't like my face. And they've declared war. And before I can even react, a fleet pops into my system that is 600 times larger and stronger than the fleet that I currently have. Then two smaller fleets pop in, not quite as big, like 200% larger and stronger than anything I've got. And then they start lo- you know, flying in transports loaded with soldiers to start invading my worlds. In the course, and this is no lie, because I'm giving a play-by-play to Scrub and the other two guys playing. Within the course of 11 minutes, my empire has been dismantled. My core worlds burned off or conquered. The stars that I control for various research and mining facilities wiped out. They only conquered, territory-wise, about a third of my empire in that 11 minutes. The word Blitzkrieg comes to mind. The problem is, that third was most of my production and population. I was wiped out with no hope of recovery. Sometimes you can surrender, sometimes you can ask to become you know, a vassal of them a protectorate, and you pretty much have to do what they say until you later decide to revolt? Nope. Not these assholes. Wouldn't even talk to me. Continue to burn off my worlds left and right. Motherfucker. I was pissed. But also, I I enjoyed it. I was intrigued. It's been a while since I had a game that so thoroughly destroyed me. Now, granted, I, I don't know all the ins and outs of the game. I'm still learning. But uh, we started a new game a couple nights later. Which, oh, there's only three of us this time instead of five. And again, doing fairly well. And I got scrubbed to my Galactic North, and I've got, uh, you know, these, these pacifistic slug people to my Galactic South. So I'm okay. I'm expanding to the Galactic East. All right, if you're looking at, think if you're looking at the Milky Way, all right, and you've got the very center is ground zero. Then you can go, Galact- you know, northwest, south, or east, all right, four cardinal directions, all right. So the Galactic East means you're going, um, you're going towards the core, you know, headed to the east. If you're going east, that means you're at the core and you're headed east. Regardless, okay, you get the idea. So I run into the space foxes, and they, they kind of look like Star Fox, but skinnier. And that's exactly what they look like. And there's some kind of, of um, uh, d- democracy of whatever, but they're like a xenophobic democracy. Meaning they don't like other aliens. They're all about voting and inclusion, but they don't like you. So we kind of get a rivalry going. And it's actually called rivalry because you get more points when you have more rivals. And I decide, you know what? I'm not going to wait for the computer to finally build a fleet and come stomp me. I'm going after them. So I build a fleet. And then I build more fleets. And then I start loading transports. And I'm building up defenses. And I'm talking myself up to, like, Scrub and, and the, uh, the other guy that's playing. I'm sorry. I still have to learn their names. I'm like, I'm going to get him. I'm going to burn this guy's ass. I, you know, I'm not going to wait. Well, what I didn't realize at the time was this guy, this, this AI, 
also had two other defensive partners, had defensive uh, uh, agreements with two other empires. So if they got attacked, everybody else comes to their aid. Fuck. So I kick off the war. Things are going well. I've destroyed... I'm just rampaging through his his, his uh, preliminary sectors. I've wiped out three fleets. I've got one giant doom stack. I'm technologically stronger than they are. I'm just steamrolling, right? Well, he slips a fleet back behind me, and he starts attacking my planet of Ultramar. Yes, Ultramar. Get fucked. So I have to backtrack. I have to, my defensive stations are able to hold them. I have to, I have to reinvade my own planet. At, at this point, his two buddies, the AI, is now bringing in extra fleets. And so the numbers are very quickly going against me. So Scrub Puppy, being the stand-up gentleman that he is, enters the war on my side. And he brings his fleet down, and he starts stomping them. So at this point, we're just hammering the shit out of them. And, of course, the Fox people sue for peace. And they, they admit that they've been humiliated. They cede me a couple worlds. I reconquered Ultramar. So I, I made some progress. And I, I, you know, I, I have successfully concluded my first war. The problem is I wrecked a good chunk of my economy doing it. Because what I did not realize when I was setting up my own empire because I really didn't pay attention, is that my, my empire is xenophiles. We like other aliens, which is not at all like me, and trust me when I tell you, I have corrected for this in my latest single-player game. I went and corrected that and moved it from xenophile, xenophile to authoritarian. The problem with xenophile is, as soon as I went to war, because I declared it, a good chunk of my population, some 63%, decided they didn't like that idea. They don't want to fight. They don't want to fight aliens. They're pissed, and they're not going to work. So my energy, uh, my power plants, my energy credits disappeared. My minerals disappeared. My food production disappeared. My people revolting on several different worlds because they're pissed off that I'm at war. Even after I won the war, they still weren't happy. And because I'm a xenophile and not authoritarian, I could not purge off parts of my population to drive home the point that I didn't care. There were two different pacifistic factions in my empire. Two fucking hippie communes in my empire. Now, I did suppress both of those to the point where they got wiped out. But still, they're bitching the whole time and nothing got accomplished. So I won my war, and I've learned a valuable lesson. That if I do have to go to war, i got to make it quick and easy, quick and dirty, because my people are not going to stand for it. And I'm not going to start the game over because I'm doing fairly well. And I'm in a nice little cushion area where i got scrubbed to my north, who can be my punching bag if need be, against all the northern aggression coming in from the other AI. And I've got my pacifistic uh, space slug buddies to myself, who don't fight with anybody, but for somehow has an amazingly large fleet and a huge chunk of territory. So I rebuilt my fleet, got a few upgrades, put up more defense stations, built more armies, put them on transports. Two years, and it's each turn, it's not turn-based, it's real-time. 
uh, but you can speed up or slow down the, the passage of time. But it goes days, months, and years. There are two years remaining before my peace, my enforced peace is up with the Fox people. And uh, Galactic War Boogaloo Part 2 is not going to go well for them. I've got three fleets, not just one. They, are, they have been decimated in the wars with us, and they are having problems rebuilding. Uh, and then their, their slug buddies, because a different kind of slug, uh, space slug people, behind them who helped them out last time, some kind of confederacy, they're next on my list. I'm, I'm going to go right for the heart of their empire, right for their core worlds. I'm going to gut them like a fish and be done with it. The problem is that both Scrub and the other guy were saying we're approaching the mid-game crisis. And that could be one of you know, any number of things. Again, one of these fallen empires rising up and decided to go ape shit on the galaxy. Or, you know, some kind of supernova event. Or, you know, an invasion by space whales. Uh, something catastrophic. So I'm waiting for the other shoe to fall. Things have gone too well too long in this game. And when I tell you this, folks, that this game will turn on you on a dime, I am not exaggerating. You will think you are doing well one minute, the next minute you are fucked. In this particular game, one the way that I'm screwed is because you get a, a different kind of, of resource called influence. And you use them to um, hire or buy scientists and admirals and governors and leaders. Most of my people have gotten old age and died off. And because I have all these peace agreements with all these other factions, I'm sorry, all these other AI uh, empires, I don't have any influence points. I have none. So I can't hire any replacements. So no research is getting done. No exploration is getting done. I have no admiral you know, giving bonuses to my fleets. It, it's, it sucks. And I'm not really sure what to do about it. And I've been researching online because apparently this is not a problem exclusive to me. A lot of people have it. And I'm still trying to figure out the best way to approach it. But one thing is, uh, for certain with, with Stellaris, is I've got a very good grasp now on what I want to do in an early game. And I got off to a really bad start. My starting position was awful. But I highly recommend it. It is a great game. I only have one of the uh, DLC expansions because it came with it. Um, I'm not familiar enough with the DLC. I will tell you this. It is challenging enough, and I'm playing at the normal difficulty level. I can't even imagine what it is on on crazy or hard. Uh, We're going to find out. But if a bunch of you want to get together and play a game, I am always up for one. And then you play it, and then when you're running out of time, you save the game, and you can come back to it a later time. You can always jump into the game, too. If you haven't... um, if, like, there's five of us playing and a sixth person wants to join in after the fact, the computer will randomly assign you one of the empires already in the game for the AI, and you'll just take over for them. So it's a phenomenal game. I highly recommend it. Um, if I'm going to say, if there's a complaint that I've got, it's primarily the fact that there's no real micro. The combat just isn't there. It just kind of happens as a matter of course which I don't like. I like the idea that I can command my fleets, I can, you know, there's some strategy involved, I can pull off a really cool tactic, something. And that option just isn't there. That's just not the way the game was designed. So, there's that. 
Uh, I do not have a new Octale. Um, I do not have a You've Been Told. I need to get one from him. We've been holding off because I had a couple uh, banked that I was using. I don't want to read these different articles they sent. Some of these are just sad. Yeah, I don't want to read that one either. Now, I do have this one, and I'll get to this, and then we'll we'll head out here. Uh, Lulu wanted me to, to cover this one a couple weeks ago, and I didn't get around to it. Um, or, I'm sorry, last week. And it's uh, from Yahoo, uh, Yahoo.com. Uh, has this one. It's from May 31st. <coughs> Bar under fire for racist and classist dress code. Now, racist, I think most of us have a pretty general idea of what that encompasses. Classist, probably not so much. A bar that wants to maintain a, quote, classy atmosphere has released a dress code, which some are calling racist. The Bottled Blonde, a pizzeria and beer garden in Chicago, recently posted a sign on its door outlining a lengthy dress code. Here are a few examples from the list of banned items. No excessive baggy, sagging, ripped, dirty, frayed, overly flashy, or bright clothing. No Hawaiian, tie-dye, floral, skull prints, or anything else obnoxious. No gang attire, leather cuts, colors, or insignias. Okay, that sounds more like a motorcycle gang, but whatever. It's still a gang. And no camouflage. No embellishments or statement attire. No plain white tees, long tees, denim, flannel, or zippers on shirts. No tank tops before 6 p.m. Tank tops before 6 p.m. only. No Jordans, Air Nike... Nike Air Max or Air Force Ones. Hats must be worn forward at all times. And then the L says, no bad attitudes or behavior. No excessively, okay, uh, shirts and jackets. No co- no overalls, cargo, bleach, stone, acid wash, odd colored leather pants. No joggers. Man prees, drop crotch pants, or pants with numerous zippers. Okay. On Monday, a photo of the sign, captioned apparently a bottled blonde only wants Gap patrons, was posted by user Irish83 to Reddit, where received more than 400 comments okay, from people who debated whether the dress code was racist or classist. Okay? As others have pointed out, quote, as others have pointed out, this dress code isn't to keep black people out, wrote Reddit user Leave It to Beaver. It's to keep poor people out. They want good-looking customers who have money to spend on $6 Paps Blue Ribbon beers. A simplified version of the sign should have read, Dress code, hooded white sheets only. I see. The manager of the Bottle Blonde declined to comment when contacted by Yahoo Style. However, Twitter had, of course, because Twitter always has something to say. It's unclear whether public backlash will force the Bottled Blonde to amend its dress code. But this type of activism can work. In February, a Chattanooga, Tennessee entertainment center called Southside Social issued an apology and amended its dress code after unleashing a list of banned items put together to stop thugs from entering. Okay. 
I find the white sheets comment probably the most offensive thing of all this um, because I go to nicer restaurants. And when I say nicer restaurants, I'm not necessarily saying a five-star five restaurant because I couldn't afford to go there. Three and four stars, I've been there. I was at one a couple weeks ago. You know what? And if you go into, I, it was, this one was called Hyde Park, all right? You go in there and you're expected to dress a certain way. I'm not saying you have a, a tie and jacket is required. A polo is, some kind of, of collared shirt, a nice pair of pants, a nice pair of shoes. I suppose you could walk in with Nike Jordans if you wanted. You probably wouldn't see them, though. I've seen people in there. I've seen, I, I, I'm not just, of course I saw people in there. I see people everywhere. I've seen um, sports players in there. Indians, I've seen Cavaliers, I've seen a couple Browns, almost all of them African-American. You know what? They were dressed nice. They weren't dressed like thugs. There were no white sheets. This is not a primarily white people-only steakhouse. It's it's upper scale, higher nice. I've been to Morton's, been to White Oaks. These are nicer restaurants. You don't see too many people in there with jeans on ever. And if they are, they're usually just kind of designer jeans. They're not ripped, they're not dirty, they don't have zippers. They don't have any of this bullshit. You don't see their underwear hanging out. You don't see their ass hanging out. You don't see people wearing cutoffs with a backwards hat. And guess what? That ain't a black thing. It may have been to start off with. It's pretty much, you can see that anywhere in any walk of life. And you know what? As far as the poor people thing, yeah. You're probably not going to go there if you don't have a whole lot of money. Because they're expensive. They probably sell expensive food. They have a different kind of clientele. Who cares? I don't see where this is racist at all. I don't see where it's classist at all. You're allowed to cater to whatever kind of clientele you like. <coughs> Look, you can be poor as shit. As long as you dress properly and you got the money, I don't care what you spend your money on. If you dress appropriate, now I will say this, there is a lot of stuff on this dress code to block out. What they probably should have said is, not what you can't wear, but this is what you're expected to wear. A collared shirt, a good pair of pants, slacks, a nice pair of shoes. Say, you're going to say dress shoes, business casual. There you go, business casual. This is the attire. Everybody knows what it is, business casual. That's it. I think what the owners of this bar was probably trying to do was trying to drive home the point and very blatant fashion is that they don't want the run of the mill off the street gutter scum would I go there? probably not I have gone to nice restaurants in jeans with a polo on or a collared shirt, and that's been fine. Because my jeans don't look like shit. They're not stained, they're not dirty, they're not ripped, they're not frayed. They're jeans. They're not expensive, but they're decent jeans. As for this asshole who says, looking for a Gap commercial, I don't know if you shopped at the Gap lately. I think most of what they sell probably wouldn't fly here for what they're looking to do. No puffer, quilted jackets, 
or vests and no novelty sweaters. No hoodies underneath shirts or jackets. Okay, fine, we get it. It's for rich old people. Fine. They're allowed to have their refuge from the rest of the world. It is neither racist nor classist, and I don't understand the racism thing at all. Are you saying only black people sag their pants, wear their hats sideways or at an angle, or wear white t-shirts? I think that's racist. I mean, this people today really go out of their way to be offended by things. And let's make let's be clear. All right, there's a difference between something like this versus what Kathy Griffin did. That is offensive. That is a person whose career deserves to be destroyed. All right? Versus saying, you know what? I expect people to dress a certain way when they come in my business. How can, You should not be offended by that. You are way too uh, overly touchy. Or the whole thing with, like, uh, I, I covered in, um, I think it was a patron show, where uh, the whole diva skin, getting a police uniform, and how that triggered people. Because, oh, it should be a Black Lives Matter skin. What? For a South Korean character in a video game that has nothing to do with anything. I'm not really sure at what point it became a thing. And this has been coming for a while. I get that. I don't know when it became expected, not just accepted, but expected to be offended by something or someone on a weekly or daily basis. I challenge you, listener of my voice, do a Google search for Evergreen College in Washington State. And watch the videos and see what's being done there over the last three or four weeks. If you want to see a prime example of what I'm talking about, do that. I know some of you people saw it on my personal Facebook. It is out of control, and you wonder why Trump run or sorry won the election. People are getting fed up, man. They're really getting fed up. My generation is fed up with it. The older generations are beyond fed up with it. I got to tell you, my son's generation coming up, I think they're going to be a lot more conservative than people really, than they realize. You know what? And I'm starting to see the pendulum swing with the LGBT crowd too. I think the, the gays and lesbians are on board with what's been happening. And I think they're starting to swing more to the right as well. Now that social issue is out of the way. This is getting out of hand. It's a bar. I'm surprised no one brought up the fact that it's called the bottled blonde, and no one had a problem with that. And yes, I understand what it's actually referring to. But I'm surprised some two-bit shithole out there didn't throw a fit because, hey, they're making fun of girls! Because men can't also, you know, get their hair blonde. Ungodly. Unreal. All right, folks. Uh, is there anything else I'm missing? No, I think I got it all. All right. Having said that, uh, here we go. My thanks real quick to uh, No Wise of Alphabet Radio for, as always, hosting us. We appreciate it. 
Uh, if you think you can do what we do, uh, please sign up with AlphaRadio.com, your one-stop shop for all video and audio podcasting. I want to thank uh, Scrub Puppy for running our Facebook page. Uh, I want to thank you, the listener, for tuning in. Folks, if it was not for you, I would not be doing this. I hope to have at least somebody back here in the next few weeks to start doing it other than just myself because it's starting to get a little boring. It's much more fun when it's me talking or competing or arguing with somebody else. Uh, patrons, I want to thank you for funding the bill, or footing the bill, really, to keep the show running every single month. We appreciate it. Uh, look for the upcoming week for three different shows coming for you. Two for everybody and one for the higher tier. If you'd like to join us on Patreon, you can get in for as low as a dollar. The more you spend, the more access you get to more shows, commercials, bits from yesteryear and today. Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com. Sign up. Emperor's Court. Look for us. You can get the uh, link off of our Twitter and Facebook page, which you can follow us at Emperor's Court. Um, if you need it by email or you can't find it, or if you can't search for it on Patreon, shoot me an email, emperor1g at cox.net, cox.net, and I'll be more than happy to uh, furnish that to you. If you have a question, comment, or opinion, send it to emperor1g at cox.net. Uh, if you're on my Steam group or uh, otherwise are interested, find me. Not hard to find, emperor1g. Let's get a Stolaris game going. I'm sure I can always rope Scrub Puppy into playing. He's all about that. Although, in a week's time, I think I've already surpassed him in skill. Yeah. Alright, folks. Bad manners are better than no manners at all. Go Cavs! So long, everybody. <laughs>